0: Hello and welcome to a guy with books podcast. My name is Don and I'm that guy and I'm also your host. I'm sitting here having a little bit of uh, English breakfast tea this morning and I come to you because I'd like to talk to you about the mad, the bad, and the dangerous to know poet, Lord Byron. He is by far my absolute favorite of all time. Today, by the way, is his birthday, January 22nd. But before I begin, if you are new to this podcast, welcome. Let me introduce myself. I'm a business executive. I'm also a husband. I'm a father. I love old art, uh, paintings. I also enjoy watercolor painting Uh, listening to cello. Yeah, that's a new one I threw in there. Uh, Yo-Yo Ma, uh, particularly. And I also love um, classic movies, uh, particularly Turner Classics. You know, you can turn that on and watch it all day. I'm also an anti-collector. I collect noisy Edison phonographs with, you know, with the loud gold horn and, you know, the wax cylinders. And I love the smell of books from the 1800s. Have you ever smelled yours? They smell divine. Well, I have a, a great collection of 1800s plus books, and I also collect those uh, those uh, creepy to see, you know, like hard to see creepy tintypes and old cameras. And so I encourage you to grab your favorite hot beverage or your smoking pipe and buckle your seatbelt because this is going to be a wild ride. Let's take a moment now and learn about the most famous, flamboyant, and notorious of the major English Romantic poets, George Gordon, Lord Byron, was likewise the most fashionable poet of the early 1800s. He created an immensely popular Romantic hero, defiant, melancholy, haunted by secret guilt, for which to many he seemed the model. He was a romantic paradox, a leader of the era's poetic revolution. He named Alexander Pope as his master. He was a worshiper of the ideal. He never lost touch with reality. He was a free thinker. He retained from his youth a Calvinist sense of original sin. A peer of the realm, he championed liberty in his works and his deeds, in giving money, his time, his energy, and finally. In giving his life for independence in the Greek war. His faceted personality found expression in satire, verse narrative, ode, lyric, speculative drama, historical tragedy, confessional poetry, dramatic monologue, serial comic epic, and voluminous correspondence written in stanza, heroic couplets, blank verse, terza rima and vigorous prose in his dynamism his sexuality self revelation and demands for freedom for oppression of people everywhere byron truly captivated the western mind and heart as few writers have and he stamped upon the 20th century or the 19th century Letters, arts, politics, and even clothing styles. His name, his image embodied Romanticism in the 19th century. He was a superstar and an icon of the day. George Gordon Noel Byron was born with a clubbed right foot. And that really kind of hits close to home for me because my son Elliot was born with a club foot. And so we really, as a family, know how he, like all the, the problems he had to deal with because of that club foot. He was born in London. He was 6th Baron Byron and was born January 22nd today in 1788. His father died when he was three years old. And as a result, that caused him to inherit his title from his great uncle, and I think it was 1798. Byron spent his early years in Aberdeen and was educated at Harrow School and also Cambridge University. In 1809, he left for a two-year tour of a number of Mediterranean countries. Now think about this, you know, you're young And, you know, you have a group of friends, plus you bring your doctor with you with some pain medication, you know, and he'll give it to you whenever you want. And you're going to travel around all of these Mediterranean countries and, you know, experience life and, you know, just take it all in. Wouldn't it be great to do that? Well, you know, minus the painkiller part. But, you know, it's true. He did do that. He always had his doctor with him. But anyway, he returned. And. To England, I think it was 1811. And in 1812, he, he created and published his first two cantos of Child Harold Pilgrimage. This put Byron on a map. He became famous overnight. And then things started to get a little weird. In 1814, Byron's half sister, Augusta, gave birth to a daughter. Almost certainly. Byron's. Not guaranteed, but almost certainly. The following year, Byron married Annabella Milbank, with whom he had a daughter also. This was his only legitimate child. Annabella and Byron separated in 1816. Facing mounting pressure as a result of all of this, you know, the failed marriage the scandalous affairs, huge debts. Byron left England in 1816 and swore that he would never return. And so, you know what? He decided to spend the summer of 1816 at Lake Geneva with, you know, Percy Shelley and his wife, Mary. You know, Mary Shelley, the one who wrote Frankenstein. Anyway, yes. Mary's half-sister, Claire Claremont, uh, was also there, and oh yes, Byron had a daughter with her too. Yes, so Byron traveled on to Italy, where he was to live for more than I think six years. He stayed. He was while staying in Venice. He began an affair. Yes, with Teresa Guccioli, the wife of an Italian nobleman. It was in this period that Byron wrote one of the most famous works that he ever put together. Don Juan. It was created between 1819 to 1824. In July of 1823, Byron left Italy to join the Greek insurgency who were fighting a war of independence against the Ottoman Empire. On the 19th of April, 1824, Byron died from fever in modern-day Greece. His death was mourned throughout Britain. His body was brought back to England and buried at his ancestral home in Nottinghamshire. Now, keep in mind, Byron wanted nothing to do with England. He did not want to return to England, and against his wishes, uh, they sent his body to be buried at his ancestral home. So, as a side note, you know, I often like to digress. Lord Byron was thought to have embodiment of this, you know, he had this embodiment of this chiseled, handsome, manly man poet, but he actually had this morbid propensity to fatten. Yes. And if you go back through and you look at history, I think his mother from an old biography or whatever I read, his, his mother was obese. And so like today's celebrities, he worked so hard to maintain that figure. Okay. His manly man figure. And so because of his popularity, Byron had these harmful diets and these strange relationships with food. And you know what? It rubbed off on everyone in his inner circle as well. Byron was terrified of becoming fat, believing that it would result in um, lethargy and also stupidity. So much so, some historians argue that he battled anorexia nervosa. When he wanted to keep his weight down as a student at Cambridge, Byron dined almost exclusively on biscuits and soda water, though he also occasionally enjoyed potatoes, drenched in vinegar. The poet told his friends he would rather not exist than to be large, and he would wear up to six coats while exercising in an attempt to sweat out excess water. In 1816, Byron made it through the day on a slice of bread and a cup of tea for breakfast then occasionally some vegetables and seltzer water mixed with a bit of wine for dinner. And he used to smoke cigars to curb his appetite. And just two years later, however, Byron's worst nightmare had apparently come true. In 1818, a visiting friend wrote that the poet had become pale, bloated, and he had grown very fat. His shoulders were broader and rounder, And his knuckles on his hands were lost in fat. And in response, Byron restricted himself to a menu of, yes, wait for it, red cabbage and vinegar cider. And this apple cider vinegar and water concoction became a popular way to drop pounds in the early 1800s. I think it was like around 1820. And unfortunately, Byron didn't just impose these restrictive beliefs on himself, but he was of the opinion that women who regularly ate real food were terrible. And in a letter to former lover, Caroline Lamb, he complained about how much his new wife ate. Yes, he complained to a lover how much his current wife would eat. Okay. So he wrote, I only wish she did not swallow so much supper. Chicken wings, sweetbread, custards, peaches, and port wine. A woman should never be seen eating or drinking unless it be lobster salad and champagne, the only true feminine and becoming foods. Some historians think the constant ups and downs may have taken a real toll on Byron's health and prematurely wearing out his body. And, you know, in 1850, 24, as I'd mentioned, he had fell ill, you know, and he died of fever, possibly due to a relapse of malaria. And he was only 36 years old. Byron was 36 when he passed away. He still had so much life ahead. Okay, let's get back. You know, I'd like to get off on these tangents. Okay, so let's get back on track. This podcast. About books, you know, it, it's it's all about poetry, it's all about writers, it's all about my favorite books and not diet habits. And so I digress. Anyway, so here is one of the most famous poems that he wrote. And I must say, this is probably one of my favorites. And you know, when my wife's birthday comes around, I often will write this out in a card or you know, post it on social media for her. So I hope you will enjoy She Walks in Beauty by Lord Byron George Gordon. (laughs) She walks in beauty like the night, of cloudless climes and starry skies, in all that's best of dark and bright, meet in her aspect, in her eyes. Thus mellowed to that tender light, which heaven to gaudy day denies. One shade the more, one ray the less, had half impaired the nameless grace, which waves in every raven tress, or softly lightens over her face. Where thoughts serenely sweet express, how pure, how dear their dwelling place. And on that cheek and o'er that brow, so soft, so calm, yet eloquent. The smiles that win, the tints that glow, but tell of days in goodness spent. A mind at peace with all below, a heart whose love is innocent. All right, I'm going to take a quick sip of my English tea. And let's talk about She Walks in Beauty. It is a short lyrical poem in iambic tetrameter. It was written in 1814 and it is said to have been inspired and written in praise of a beautiful woman. And again, we're talking about Lord Byron, manly man who writes about women all the time. So this is no surprise that he wrote this about a beautiful woman. History holds that it w- was actually written for a female cousin. He wrote it for a female cousin, Mrs. Wilmot, who we ran into at a party in London one night. When she was in mourning, And she was wearing this black long dress with glittering sequins. And to me, Byron's poem praises and seeks to capture the essence or the sense of a particular woman, the beauty of this particular woman. And he compares this woman to a lovely night with a clear starry sky and goes on to convey that her beauty is as harmonious meeting as between darkness and light. About the overall mood or tone, I would say that it's of awe and amazement. He is telling us of or about how he is in awe and amazement of this woman's beauty. It is also very romantic. It's very soft. It's very calm. It is a uh, you know very lovely or loving mood. And it's almost crush-like, you know, it's like, you know, you're in school and you have a crush on somebody, you know, it's kind of a crush-like type of a poem. And I shared this poem from a book in my private collection. And again, I have, I think six or seven Lord Byron books. Uh, I think my, the earliest is like 1816 or 1820, something like that. And, uh, early 1800s. I can't remember the exact date, but I have a number of these things. And uh, I actually have one coming in the mail uh, early next week. But anyway, I digress. This was taken from my private collection and the book was titled uh, uh, The The Poetical Works of Byron. And it was illustrated. And it's a beautiful maroon, like a red book with a, a gilded plate on the front of an angel holding a harp. And it is part of that landscape series of poets by gall and inglis uh london edinburgh publishers and uh again it's early 1800s and you could actually see its spine in my podcast logo it's like the third from the left and i think in my podcast logo i actually have two byron books in there but anyway um i just wanted to say thank you for joining me on lord byron's birthday And for listening to A Guy With Books podcast. I hope you enjoyed our time together today. And I will be back soon with another interesting nugget that you could share. I encourage you to please visit me on Instagram at Leader at Work. Or also at my bookstore, Books in Time. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash donald.mast.10. Yes, Facebook doesn't make it easy. Or just type in Don Mast, you'll find me. And then finally, we have a Twitter. So you can reach me on Twitter at Leader at Work. So friends, I hope you enjoyed Lord Byron's birthday as much as I did. He was a true rock star in the poetry world. Uh, I say goodbye. I say have a blessed day. And as always, be safe.